Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast. I'm your host, Coop, and tonight we've got some baseball experts here to discuss the end of the Red season and what some of the things that have happened in the last few weeks mean for the future. First, we got Carlos coming back on. Carlos, how you doing tonight? What's up, boys? Uh, doing pretty good. Watching a little football, a little baseball, a little dual screen action. Nice. Not a bad night. Nice. We've got Doug Gray from Reds Minor Leagues and Red Leg Nation on with us. Doug, what's happening? Who are these experts you're talking about? Like, Carlos is an expert. I'll give him that. I was talking who's about the, who's Car- the other experts. Carlos, Carlos, and Burmy. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Burmy knows things. He knows things, but I mean, I, I thought that this was a podcast about baseball. Well, it, I'm an I'm an expert in other things, like how to how to become obese. But oh, nobody <laughs>, laughs at that. That's fine. <laughs> I was muted. Touch what did you want from me? We, we love you, Coop. <laughs> That's what they tell me, but no, thank you. Uh, Burmy, you're on tonight too. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm here. Hey guys. Hey, uh, no, we definitely have some baseball experts on here tonight, but I would not consider myself one of those, but I'm honored to once again, be back on the hunt for reds, October podcast. Appreciate it. Coop. Um, awesome to talk some baseball with Doug and Carlos. Always a good time. Coop. It's nice to talk to you anyways. Yes. And, uh, and I want to give a shout out to, uh, uh, at Uncle Ram. Shout out to Ram. Shout out to Ram who couldn't be on tonight because he's a giant pussy. Um, <laughs> he's probably eating dino nuggets and dipped in icing somewhere. He's actually probably working. Then he go back to nights. I don't know. Anyway. So your Cincinnati Reds are Cincinnati Reds. Finished the season. What was it? 83 and 79. A few games back in the wild card to the St. Louis Cardinals who decided to just rip off 17 in a row and end any kind of uh, drama down the stretch as if the Reds would make the playoffs. Reds had a rough couple weeks that uh, led to them falling several games back. The supposed week schedule came and just really whooped them up. The, the Reds lost something like, what was it, eight or nine series in a row, something like that. Uh, just Just bad baseball. For the last few weeks, there were some injuries. You know, Jesse Winker uh, was hurt, and a couple other people were banged up here and there. Um, Carlos, give me your thoughts on what actually happened to the Reds down the stretch, and how can how can other than spending money and trading for better players, how can the Reds? try to avoid that next year in terms of just a complete collapse at the end of the season. I don't know, man. I, that that collapse was, was pretty weird because there's not really one thing that you can point the, figure, the finger at. Like, you know, the offense wasn't that great, but I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot you could do to prevent it. I almost feel like it was bad luck. Like, 
you know, we talk about small sample sizes on things, and it's only a month worth of games. It couldn't have come at a worse time. But, I mean, the offense can score runs. They can show the last, like, week of the season. <coughs> Clearly. Um, you know, the bullpen was fine. There was nothing wrong with those guys at the end. You know, it's, it's just... They, they couldn't time the throw. Yeah, it seemed like one night they had great pitching, but score one run, or they'd score six runs and lose seven to six. It's like, <laughs> like you said, the, the, they they yeah. couldn't get them together down the stretch. I mean, I I'd see, I feel like they lost to so many shin teams, and then you know the Cardinals didn't help anything. But yeah, as far as next year, I don't put yourself in this position next year. I mean. Oh, no, we'll, that's kind of what we all predicted that they'll be in that in that prediction that they'd be right around there. You have to check. Yeah, just like as far as next year, I mean, I say just win, win more games in April. Don't <laughs> lose to the Diamondbacks. Don't lose to the freaking Rockies. Like it's, you know, that's what else used to it, always. Like I said, it's really hard to put, put a figure out that's what used to always drive me nuts with dusty baker is he would say it's still early when they would lose a game they should have won in april or may and it's like if you win those games in april and may it only helps you at the end of the season like if you if you give five games away early in the season that's five games you got to make up in august and september and i don't think i don't think there's any manager out there that intentionally you know says, oh, well, I'm just going to run out all the backups and lose this one. No, I don't think anybody intentionally does that. But not bringing in your best guys when they're fully rested, like in the bullpen, or leaving a starter in too long or taking them out too early, that kind of thing. It yeah, that's, that's you know, David Bell didn't really have the best last six weeks of the no, season. No, he didn't. Like, I was a big David Bell guy the whole the whole year, but, like, the last six weeks I was kind of like, What's going on here? What are we waiting for? Like, yeah. You know, some of those games, like you talked about, if you're down one run or two runs, you know, on the road on a high-scoring game, put your best guy in there. Why, why save him for tomorrow? And instead, they were, you know, throwing their, their mop-up guys, and they end up giving up three more runs, and it's not it's totally out of reach. Absolutely. Brad, Bo- Brad Brock was good when he first, like, like he was, he was serviceable when he first came up, but towards the end of the season, man, every time he came out, it seemed like he got shelled and David Bell was only putting him in high leverage situations. And, oh, it's a catwalk ball in Tampa. Is that a home run or a double? I don't know, but you're ahead of me. I haven't seen it yet. Now I'm really upset at you for ruining this for me. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it, they rolled it a home run, I guess, because he just walked around the bases. Nelson Cruz. God, I've been to a game Spoiler in Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yeah. Yeah, that dude's going to play forever, by the way, just so we're all clear. Hey, he's still in shape, and what is he, 40, 41? I think he's 41. Yeah. God he's hit like 30 home runs in like nine straight seasons. Yeah, he's got a couple more seasons in him. Yep, there's the catwalk. Tampa's Which stadium. Which goes back to... Hey, we need we need the designated hitter in the National League yes, because he Nelson would. Cruz could play for the Reds, but oh, he actually can't because they don't have the DH. Yeah, and you know they're poor, but <laughs> no, they're not. They're not poor. They're not they poor. They choose poor. to be. There's a difference. They choose to be. You're right. But little little off topic. 
Tampa Stadium. I, I went to a game there a couple years ago. And when people say it's a dump, until you're in there and see just quite what a dump it is, like they try to, you know, there's only so much paint you can splash on things to make it look pretty. So it's it's as bad as a stadium, as Wrigley smells as a stadium? Is it's, that what you're saying? It's like you walk in there and you're like, this is set up to play basketball in. Why are they playing baseball? They put lipstick on a pig and pass it off as a baseball stadium. And they can't they can't get a stadium deal passed to save their lives down there. They're going to end up in Montreal is what's going to happen. They should. They should end up in Montreal. Think about it. You have an automatic rival with the Ray or with the Blue Jays, and then you're pretty close proximity wise to Boston, who has a huge hockey rivalry with Montreal. So that'll just pick up right there. And then New York's right there too. It just makes sense. It's all transplants in Tampa Bay, anyways. So they all just like nobody goes to the games because they're all fans of the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Orioles, you know, the Reds, wherever you move from. So nobody gives a shit about them. Tampa's a. I don't want to say it's a weird spot because, like you said, you've got the you got your mix of the retirees, the strippers, and like mm. <laughs> just you know like like there's a lot and of and the like, retired strippers. Yeah, and there's there's a lot yes. Of, there's a lot of pro wrestlers that live in Tampa. Those golfers. Golfers, golfers yeah. down there. It's it's an eclectic place, we'll say that. Anyway, let's get back on topic. And really, that's that stadium's not even in Tampa, so that's no, the it's other in St. Problem. Petersburg, yeah. <laughs> it's like a forty minute drive from that stadium to downtown Tampa because of like traffic and stuff. And it's it's like twenty or thirty miles on on which is like their version of two seventy five. It's weird. Anyway, Doug. End of season collapse. What happened and what does that portend? I mean, I don't think that portends to anything, really. I mean, they play 162 games in baseball for a reason. Um, I mean, it's 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 a game that you need the long haul to figure out who's better than who. I mean, I, I know, Carlos, you can totally chime in and tell me that I'm absolutely crazy on this. You have a better idea than any of us on this. But, you know, I, I really do think that if, a major league team played a triple-A team 162 times, the triple-A team would win 35, 45 of those games because, I mean, if you have a good minor league pitcher who has a good day that day and he just matches up against the right big league pitcher that day, that triple-A team is going to win. I mean, it's going to happen every so often. So when you have all the big leaguers, the talent level we feel is a lot wider than it actually is. I mean, that's that you need the long season for that. Um, you know, the Reds, they, they fell apart late. It, it's, it happens to a lot of teams, unfortunately. And, um, you know, they happen to also run up against the hottest team since what, 2002 Oakland or something. What the pirates uh, the who won like two series against them. No. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I know I'm just kidding. I, well, didn't, didn't, didn't Cleveland win like 22 straight games, like in 2017 or 2018 or one of those years. Yeah, Jay Bruce hit a homer, the walk-off to extend the streak. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 And then the A's won something like 18 or 19 in a row back in the money ball. Yeah, it was 20 in a row, Coop. Yeah. Anyway, Doug, but, continue. But, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the, the Reds kind of, I mean, they finished about where we all thought they were going to finish record-wise, right? I mean, yeah. I, I know that in the preseason I predicted 83 and 79. Um, good, good job me, I guess. Um, but what was weird about that is, you know, if you had told me, you know, at the beginning of the year that they'd win 83 games, Joey Votto would miss a month, Nick Castellanos would miss some time, Jesse Winker would miss six weeks, TJ Antone would pitch 30 innings, 
you know, I'd be like, yeah, you're out of your mind. There's no way that team could win 83 games in that situation. Um, so it, it kind of sucks when you look back at it because, you know, they did go through all of those things. And realistically, until mid-August, you're like, this team's going to the playoffs. Like, we, we felt pretty good about that. And some of that is because of the competition that was there. And as Coop mentioned, you know, we all felt, hey, they've got the easy schedule coming up. And they did. They did have an easy schedule coming up. But an easy schedule is just an easy schedule if you perform against it. And the Reds didn't. Yep. Now, I, I think that Jesse Winker being out kind of put a big damper on the lineup there. Um, you know, when you you go out and, I mean, taking nothing against or na- taking nothing away against the line to Shields, who the team actually uh, outrighted to AAA today, um, it, that, that was kind of the guy they brought in to, you know, take over as basically one of the starting outfielders down the stretch. He hadn't played in the big leagues all year, uh, and he he performed fine. Like there, he you know he actually outperformed any realistic expectation I had for him when they picked him up. Um, but I mean that that just kind of that's the situation the Reds were in down the stretch is that they were picking up a guy who hadn't been in the major leagues all year, and he got significant playing time for him in September. Uh, you know it it was just a, a bad situation for the Reds, and then they of course you know the the Cardinals just they made it not matter anyways. Even if the Reds had played good down the stretch, they probably weren't going to win 90 games, which they, which is what they would have needed to to match the Cardinals. Now, as as far as you know, what can they do to avoid this situation next year? I mean, I don't know. You, you need to have depth. Generally speaking, depth means spending money. Well, I don't think the Reds are going to spend money. Um, I mean, even if, unfortunately, as I think we all believe, Castellanos leaves and tests free agency, uh, I don't think they're going to spend that $16 million. I think that they're just going to be like, okay, well, we've got, you know, $16 million coming off the books. We're going to just, well, they'll say something about, you know, well, we'll use it for, you know, this, that, or the other, like they did when they traded away Rysel Iglesias and non-tender Archie Bradley and then did basically nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, that that's... That's kind of what you have to do to avoid this situation next year. You got to have the depth, because you know I, again, all due respect to Delano DeShields, who did more than I expected him to. If that's your plan, is to trade for a guy who was sitting in AAA all year to come in and play significant time for you down the stretch, that's not good. Nope. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, they they need to stay healthy, which I mean you can't plan on that. There's you can't really. Like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to – injuries happen. Guys get hit by pitches. Heck, playing 150 games a year, that'll just – that'll take it out of you. I mean, I, David Bell mentioned uh, on the last – during the last, the last weekend series, um, you know, Jonathan India might have gotten two days off to end the season because, you know, he's just beat up. You know, it's a long season. He's been playing through things all year. I mean, that it just – that – it takes a toll on you. And I, I know a lot of fans out there think that, oh, you know, you get paid, you know, power through. I really don't. I mean, I'm again, I'm not a professional athlete. I never was one, but it wears on you. Like there, there are no off days for six months. Um, yep. you know, being a professional athlete is not easy on your body. Even if it's literally what you do for a living is to try and take care of your body. Like, you know, nobody is healthy at the end of the year. And so you know you, you can't plan on those things. So I don't I don't know if they're not going to spend money to depth. I mean they they're just going to have to get lucky and stay healthier than other teams. 
Yeah, I mean, when Shogo, Shogo ahead, wasn't wasn't hurt. I'm sorry, like, but I mean, he pretty much performed like it, which <laughs> sucks. They spent money on that. You know, Aquino had small spurts, so it was like there was options. Naquin, he got hurt again. Like, it's just I felt like the depth was was there. But they had a crazy amount of injuries, and then guys just not stepping up. So they were, like, forced to go get Delino, you know? Well, and you're right. I mean, think about it. How many guys did it seem that David Bell had zero trust in playing in the second half of the season? I mean, Amir Garrett pitched, what, like, four times in August? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the Reds weren't going to cut him or let him go or do what— Like, they couldn't send him to AAA without uh, designating him for assignment. They weren't going to do that. But it felt like there were like 10 guys on the roster at any given time that probably should have been DFA'd that weren't and left David Bell with basically terrible or worse options all over the all over the, the uh, roster. And so, yeah. I mean, he he was handcuffed a bit by that. Um, and, you know, it, it just seems that they, they weren't willing to cut bait on so many of these guys who – you know, it, it's one thing to me if you don't want to cut bait on, say, you know, Aristides Aquino. Um, you know, I, I can understand the argument. You know, if he gets hot, you've seen what he can do. You know, same thing with, you know, a lot of people are, you know, arguing to bench, you know, a Eugenio Suarez, uh, you know. But we've seen those guys actually do it at the highest level. But when you've got guys like Brad Brock, Heath Hembree, you know, all, all, pretty much everybody they ran through in the bullpen throughout the season. Like, guys that either haven't performed in five years or never performed, and they weren't willing to cut bait on those guys to try something else, it just didn't make sense. And I, I, I think that that's on the front office, whether it's, you know, whether that was Nick Crawl's call or it came from above him because, hey, we're not going to eat this money um, to go, you know, bring somebody else in or whatever it happened to be. You know, I... And it's not just that, too. I think that there's also the situation where, I mean, we saw it all around baseball. I mean, how many guys did, did the Reds actually did move on from get picked up immediately by other big league teams? Like, injuries were up so much this year in, mm-hmm. in the pitching staffs. Like, you, the depth wasn't there for anybody. But I don't know. It was just – I feel like David Bell just didn't have enough weapons given to him. And he was just left with guys that he just did not trust at so many different spots throughout the year that – you know, it, it was just a bad situation all around. And then, you know, as Carlos said, down the stretch, you know, I was I was with him. You know, I, I thought that David Bell had done a, a decent enough job for m- most of the season. But down the stretch, it just seemed like there was no urgency whatsoever. Mm-mm. And then when he finally did have urgency, it's because they literally could not lose any more games or they were eliminated from the playoffs. Like, it was that literal point in time where we can't lose another game that he seemed to finally grasp the concept of, I can't just wait for us to come around anymore. And he kept saying that, you know, during the losing streak towards the end of August is, you know, we're going to come around. We're going to come around. We're going to come around. But at at some point, you can't just keep waiting for things to come around. You've got to be proactive in trying to do things and make it happen rather than just waiting for it to happen. And that that just didn't take place until the final week of the season when if the Cardinals won a game or the Reds lost a game, it was over. Yeah. 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 Oh, and we're definitely going to get into the front office as our next topic because we got a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, Burmy, your thoughts on the end of the season? Breaking news: Doug Gray thinks that Alabama could beat bad NFL teams. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. 
but but no maybe the jaguars uh, well you know fuck i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure Denzel Washington led high school teams could probably beat them right now. The but, Jaguars would beat Alabama by sixty. Points. Absolutely, they oh, would. I, I know, Doug. <laughs> Doug, I was totally kidding. Triple A. I, I know, but totally I, I really did. I just wanted to put it out there. They would steamroll in oh, and embarrass them so. Oh, bad. I, that, that, absolutely, no questions asked. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Carlos and Doug did a great job of touching on this topic. Um, I was going to make the joke. That uh, next year's starting lineup is uh, from left to right. You'll have Winker, Barrero. They're going to move India to right field. And then it's going to be Gino, Farmer, Moustakis, Vado, Stevenson, whomever they decide to throw out there on the mound opening day. And then the backup catcher will be someone they get off of like a, you know, a, a scrap heap. And you know, he'll just play 40 games and back up Tyler Stevenson. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a shit show. Um, that's what I think, what I think they should do in terms of the front office. And like I said, we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, they should go out there and pay for one of the shortstops and let Kyle Farmer be super utility. Cause so I think that's where he will have the most success overall. He had a good, what, four to six weeks this year. That was really, I mean, honestly, it was very impressive for a guy who's 30 years old playing shortstop on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would like to see Barrero at shortstop just like the rest of you would. I think everybody's probably on the same page there uh, to see him play there more often than not. But I'd also wouldn't mind him playing center field next year um, if that meant that they're going to go out and actually sign a strong overall shortstop. So there's plenty on the market. So we'll just we'll see what they end up doing uh, in that regard. Um, but, yeah, in terms of this year, I honestly, I, you know, there's a lot of David Belvitriol going around. He did what he was, you know, he did the best he could with what he was given. And, uh, you know, they made their moves for, I mean, Sessa and Gibbons were great out of the bullpen um, the last two months of the year. It would have been nice if they had made those trades three to four weeks earlier and went and got those guys in the beginning of July instead of at the end of July and just hoping that guys like TJ Anto would come back and not, you know, fuck their elbow up. But, it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, they ended the season, like, like Doug alluded to, exactly how we thought they were going to play out the entire season. It's just more heartbreaking this year because they played so well for four months. And then is to see it go down the tubes in the last two months, month and a half, uh, that was very frustrating, you know, as a fan that, you know, you don't want to see that. And unfortunately, they did it at the wrong time, like we said, as well, like Carlos said. So it's just one of those combinations, like everything went into the cauldron and then eventually the cauldron exploded. and It just exploded at the wrong time. So it was very unfortunate the way that you know the season ended. Um, I think we can all agree that it was the most fun we had, at least through July, mid-August, watching the Reds in a 162 game season since 2013. So. They gave you something to look forward to, and then they just took it away. So that, you know, is an overall culmination of the season, I think. A lot of factors, a lot of injuries, a lot of this, a lot of that, a lot of things we've, we've talked about. But, it, you know, at, at the end of the day, they finished pretty much right where we all thought they would. So how upset can we really be as a fan base when they did kind of what we thought they were going to do, just in a more unorthodox way? Well, to me, the end of the season faltering – was a direct result of the front office not doing anything during the season to improve the club other than those couple of trades at the deadline. Willie Adamas was readily available. The Brewers gave hardly anything up for him. He was available in the offseason, along with the, uh, the three big shortstops. And not just shortstops, but center fielders were available at the deadline. Somebody other than this dribble Cabrera to come off the bench you know, P 
picking up guys off the scrap heap is one thing, but I think if the front office had been more proactive, that the Reds wouldn't have 9-11 themselves at the end of the season. Oh, at least Cabrera <laughs> ended the season with a batting average. It's true. Cabrera had a batting average when it was all said and done. All right, guys, we can all take we can all take solace in that. It's like Nick Kroll. I'll compare this to The Shining, the book, not the movie. It's like Nick Kroll didn't want to tend to the boiler and where at the end of the book, it blows up and kills him. Well, Nick Kroll and Bob Castellini, because who knows how much control Nick Kroll really has, didn't want to service the boiler and it blew up on their faces, killed them. I know that was, a, that was a deep cut there with The Shining. Shout out to Stephen King. But I don't know. I'm still disappointed. Shout, shout out to Stephen King. King. Yeah, because he listens. Um, big, you know, big time listener to the Hunt for Reds October podcast, Stephen King. I don't know. It, it still disappointed me at the end of the day, just because it's one thing to say, you know, at the beginning of the season, oh, this is what their record's going to be. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But then the way it played out just kind of was, I don't know, it still was disappointing to me because it was there for the taking. Yeah, the Cardinals, you know, did what they did, which, you know, I mean, one in 17 games in a row is impressive. I don't care who who you play or who you are, but it left some bitterness to me. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but just kind of like a sour taste. Uh, Would you say you're a bitter Reds fan? No, I'm not Todd. Shout out to Todd. <laughs> so there was some other news that came out in the last few weeks of the season that I don't I didn't know how to take it. Kyle Bodie was the Reds pitching coordinator. Minor league pitching coordinator, overall pitching no, coordinator. No. He was not. He was something. Uh, he he was the director of pitching. Uh, they, they actually was a pitching coordinator underneath him. Okay. But so, yeah. So he directed the pitches. No, I was kidding. But Kyle Bodie, of course, from Driveline Baseball, highly analytical, uh, along with the uh, hitting coordinator they let go, whose name escapes me right now, Doug. Thank you. Doug left. <laughs> Sorry, I was, on, I was on mute and I didn't realize it. I was talking away and I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's, no, it's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, the guy that drove Mike Moustakis back up from Louisville and then they told him to get lost. Or was it Evansville no. where they were at? Something like that. Owensboro. Caleb Cotham. No. No. CJ Gilman. Yes, that guy, CJ. He drove up Winker, right? Oh, it was Winker. I thought it was Moustakis. You're right. Drove him like six hours and then they, they were like, hey, while you're here, get the fuck Winker out. Winker set his ass up. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Do you think do you think Winker do you think Winker's a beef jerky and Red Bull guy on a road trip? No. I think I I think say for sure. I think he's a monster energy and (laughs) barbecue potato chip guy. He's a big snack guy, I can tell by the hips. (laughs) Hips don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) But the concern with uh, these two guys being let go slash leaving on their own because they saw the writing on the wall. Kyle Bode even said he did not agree with the direction that the Reds were moving in. The speculation, of course, is that the Reds are going away from a statistical mindset and going towards more of an quote-unquote old-school mindset. I'm wondering, along with some other moves that we know are going to happen, if this was just 
a way to save money or is this a philosophical paradigm shift? There's a big word for you. Shift is not a big word. Thank you. Doug, we'll start with you since you run, you know, Reds minor leagues and you know some things. Since you run shit, Doug. Since you run shit in this town. Um, Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Talk me off the ledge on these moves and what it means for player development. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk you off the ledge because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed as well. Um, you know, this year was the first year since 2011 that the Reds farm system has had a winning season. Uh, that's a long freaking time. And they took their hitting coordinator, said, yeah, see ya. They took the director of pitching, said, yeah, see ya. That that seems a bit weird, right? When you've continuously lost at the minor league level for a decade, you finally have a winning season, and you take, I mean, I realistically, I mean, the, the number two and number three guys in your farm system as far as, you know, the high, the coaching hierarchy and dismiss them, that seems a bit weird, right? Now, sure. that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that this is bad. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a situation where, you know, hey, maybe they maybe they won because they had the right players this time. Maybe they had the right coaches in place, but you know, the guys at the very top making the some of the calls weren't right. I don't I don't know. I I was not in. I mean, I'm realistically who who really knows that? About five people on the planet actually know what was going on and how it was being you know relayed top to bottom. You know, let's let's take a guy like, uh, you know, Austin Hendrick, first round pick in 2020. He struggled this year. Yeah. Um, he did did not hit well. He walked a lot, but he didn't show much power. He struck out like 40 percent of the time he stepped to the plate. Was that C.J. Gilman's fault? Was that the hitting coach in Daytona's fault? Or was that just on Austin Hendrick? I mean, I, I don't know how we can realistically sit here and try and put that on any of those people specifically without knowing what was going on. And unfortunately, about eight people know who should really be, quote unquote, at fault there. We, we just don't know. Um, but I, I do think that it's really weird that they both got let go on the same day. Basically, both of them said we, you know, we disagree with the direction the Reds are going. Um that 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 seems a bit problematic to me. Um, a bit, a I, tad. It's 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 disconcerting when you're looking at it from the outside. Now, now here's here's what's even worse though. Um, Your face. Where, ah, you got me. <laughs> Sorry. That hurts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go hang myself now. No. Um, but shout out to Robert like, Williams. <laughs> he can't hear you. Shout out to David. Shout no. Doug's gonna do it like David Carradine. Yeah. Oh yeah, for pleasure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, Doug. There, 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 erotic scenes, Doug. Oh God, no. Anyway, Doug, sorry, uh, I didn't I, mean to sidetrack you. I knew this was a mistake. No, um, <laughs> you know, they weren't the only guys to leave the organization this year. Eric Lee was their senior yeah. director of player development, and he up and left in the middle of June to go become an athletic director at a high school. Like that's what what what. Like there's something going on in the organization, and I, I think that there there could be some sort of financial thing going on, but that doesn't really come into play with why three guys would leave during the season. Basically, three like, your top five guys in the minor league organization. 
Yeah, they just ditched up and left during the season. Um, now, it, it seems that a lot of the things that Dick Williams was trying to implement and get done since he took over, I think it was, was it 2015 or 2016, um, you know, the organization is trying to get away from some of that since he's been gone. Uh, and again, I, I, even somebody that is in tune with things as much as I am, it's tough to really know where they're going until they go back and they fill those roles. We don't, we don't know what they're going to do with that yet. Um, and those three guys I, were hired by Dick Williams that left, right? Yes. I mean, Kyle Bodie specifically mentioned the reason he joined the Reds was because of Dick Williams. You know, he, he turned down more money and more years on a contract with other teams that were basically offering him the same job to be with the Reds because he believed in what Dick Williams was trying to do with the organization. So yeah. I, I, I think that at the very least, we're going to see a change in what the Reds are trying to do. And I, I think that that's going to be you know, very evident in the farm system. Um, how evident it is at the big league level, I don't know, but let me, let me, let me drop something pretty scary for some people here. Last month of the season or so started seeing a lot more Walt Jockety with the Reds at major league ballparks. No. No. Don't you put that evil on me, Doug Gray. Don't you put that evil on me. I, I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting it on everybody. Oh, um, the Manchurian now, candidate is what I call him because now I, I I will say this you know the the whole God. idea that the Reds are going to be you know going quote unquote more old school I mean how old school can you really be in 2021 and 2022 like even the, the old school guys they're not ignoring you know stuff that people on can find on fan graphs like they they're not going to be going back to like oh we only care about batting average we only care about you know a guy that can be a ground ball pitcher like they're not that old school like that th that person doesn't exist in baseball anymore you can't exist in baseball anymore like that um but the problem with that is, is the reds don't spend money so they're not going to outspend you to beat you they don't have any track record of out developing people so that's a problem. Well, if you're going to not be at the forefront of analytics and scouting, like you, you have to, if you're going to be in the red situation where you're not spending money, you've got to just be better at something than everybody else. Like the Rays are. The Rays are the Rays. better at almost everything than anybody else, except for maybe the Dodgers. <laughs> like the Rays. They develop incredibly well. They don't lose trades. They scout very well. They just don't spend money. Well, but because they're so much better at everything else, they can still be very competitive all the time. The Reds have zero track record of being close to better at anything. And it seems that they're taking a step backwards in several areas. And that's – I mean that, that, that's, that sucks. It's, it's hard to sell that to a fan base who really knows what they're, they're looking at that, hey – you know, we're going to have some sort of continued success moving forward when, I mean, what, what, how do you, how do you sell that? Well, I've been shouting into the void for a long time that the Reds should follow the Rays model of develop. Don't use your heart to make trade decisions. You know, if a guy's coming up that's productive, 
but is in the last year of arbitration and you know it's going to cost you a lot of money, but you can get a lot of pieces for him, make that trade if you're not going to spend the money. Yeah, I hate that idea. I I mean... I really do. I know, but if if that's... Try, just try and win. Tra- well, trading yeah. good Trading good players away because they're going to make $5 million their first year of arbitration instead of $575,000. I mean, that's... That's penny wise, pound foolish in my mind. No, I agree, but I'm I'm saying is if you're not going to spend, at least try something other than doing nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like the Rays have traded guys like Brian or uh, David Price, and they traded uh, you know Carl Crawford back in the day. They 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 deal. Yeah, but they, 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 didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do that the first year of arbitration though. No, no, I'm saying that's where I was pushing back because you you said that that you know the arbitration thing. That, yeah, I was meaning more going into the last year of arbitration kind of thing. Okay, just sitting around and just hoping, like like Chad Dotson, shout Chad says, hope is not a strategy. Not for success, anyway. Nick Crawl was like, "Well, wait till we're healthy." Did they get healthy? No, more people got hurt. That's just part of the game. <sighs> Carlos, you have a unique perspective here, having you know come up through the minor leagues and seeing. What what can happen when player development goes right and goes wrong? Um, what is your take on this situation with these analytics, analytical guys leaving and basically saying because the, the Reds want to go in a different direction? Um, I mean, I, I personally hate it because of, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Stephen Offenbaker's um, podcast today that he had Chris Welsh on with. Um, and it was kind of disturbing listening to Chris Wolf give his reasons on why. It's almost like he had some inside information on why those guys were dismissed. And it was basically that those guys never stepped on a major league mound, especially like speaking of Bodie. Like, so how would he know? And, and it was, you know, tough to get everybody to buy into that whenever you've never pitched, which is total bullshit. Like, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a. It was. Yeah, I, I encourage you guys to go and listen to that podcast. It was there toward the end of it, um, and and just listen to the, even just that part of you know listen to the whole thing, and it was like this better not be the reason why they decided to do that, but it makes sense because it goes along with what Bodie's saying. Like, well, yeah, we agree with it. Like, you're gonna either take some power away from me or you don't believe that I can call the shots because I've never played. Like, like, I don't know if they're trying to make every minor league pitcher the same, make every guy throw the same or what exactly they're doing down there. But I mean, it, it's successful and it's, it's hard to argue with the numbers. I mean, can, can I, mean, I just jump in real quick, Carlos? I, I, yeah. Uh, very much about that point of trying to make everybody the same. I really do think that it wasn't until Kyle Bodie got here that there were specific plans for each pitcher in the organization. Mm -hmm. In the past, you know, they'd have different pitching coaches that kind of had their own little specialty that they would work with certain pitchers on. You know, there was a guy who was very good at teaching guys the cutter and the slider. Um, And, you know, he he helped turn around a few careers, I believe, doing that. But they didn't have a very specific plan for individual pitchers. They had a general idea of, you know, hey, this is what we want our guys to be. And every so often – you know, they have a specific plan for for one or two guys. And when Kyle came in, they had a they had a real plan for everybody. 
And that was that was a very different kind of thing that I hadn't seen from the Reds in the in you know the 14 years prior to when he showed up, you know, covering the farm system. Okay, sorry, I, I, I thought that was an important point, and you were kind of talking about that. So, all right, back back to you, Carlos. Well, Carlos <laughs> talked about that on the podcast before about how you go to one level, you'd be told one thing, and you go to another level, you'd be told another. Yeah, there, there was definitely no instruction. Like you really didn't seem to get better as as um as a player like i feel like throughout my college years because you know i learned how to pitch i learned the screwball from a guy who never pitched from a guy who was a college shortstop so yeah i mean if the guy knows uh, what he's talking about you know what's wrong I, i mean it's it's no different than any other sport like you know Say, yeah, that's that's why I was like, man, if this is true, that this is really bad, like, like real bad. And this, I don't think it has anything to do with, with money on that end. Like, I mean, those guys aren't making that much. I mean, he even said he, was, he took less money, like Duck said. But just to to go to an old an older school mentality like that, just because the guy pitched in the big leagues, like, come on, we're past that. It's twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's that's concerning. Yeah, yeah. It would have been really nice. I would have been really appreciated, you know, a system like that whenever I was coming up from the minor leagues. Because, like I was talking about earlier, like in college, I felt like I got better throughout the years. You know, throwing bullpens during the season, like in the major or the minor leagues, I felt like after the first month, I was what I was all the way through the end of the year. Like there was no improving. There was no. There was nothing being taught. There was no pregame meetings on how we're going to attack hitters. That didn't exist. It was go out there and see how you can do. That's it. Well, I hope we're not returning to that. <laughs> uh, Burmy, your thoughts on what uh, losing these guys means to the future direction of player development? I really liked when Doug said they're putting it all in hope because – as the Reds fan base, a lot of us have hopped on the Ted Lasso train. And there's a famous line that's, you know, used in world football everywhere, but it's very evident in the 10th episode of the first season where they say, it's the hope that kills you. You know, you, you, you get your hopes up. You hire guys like Kyle Bodie, um, like CJ Gillum, and like, uh, was it Eric Lee? Was that correct? I always fuck up his name. But yes. yes. Okay, thanks, dog. So you, you, ha- you have guys like that who, you know, they come in and they're more analytical, you know, analytically driven. And then you start to see it percolate up, if that makes sense, through, you know, from the minor leagues all the way up to the show where, you know, young guys are coming up and, you know, they're throwing the ball better. Like Tyler Malley looks like a solid number two or three in a rotation for a lot of major league franchises right now. Tyler Malley was, I mean, he had his struggles at home this year, but, you know, a couple of years ago, he was just throwing to throw. And now it looks like he's throwing with a purpose. Maybe that's just my perception. Maybe I'm wrong. But it feels like, you know, it, once again, it's, it's that hope that kills you. You know, you, they bring that in for a couple of years and now it's gone. You know, uh, your, your, team, your team's in it for the long haul. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get your heart broken. Um, and you, you had entirely given your hopes up because you're trending in the right direction. You know, they're playing well today and then bam, it's gone. So I think it kind of feels like, like that quote from, from Ted Lasso and from just, like I said, world football in general. You know, it's the hope that kills you. I think that's the most devastating part for Reds fans is why now? Why in the middle of the season? It'd be one thing if one guy left in September, 
you know, not any of these guys, just in general. Someone leaves the organization in the middle of the season. It's like, okay, maybe there was a philosophical difference and they were fed up. Understandable. You know, it is a job at the end of the day. It happens. Like people, we've all experienced that in our day-to-day work lives. You know, someone quits a job because whatever. But to see a recurring theme there, I think is disconcerting and disheartening for Reds fans. And I think it definitely, um, you know, if they'd rather have guys that did it, fine. I understand the the mentality, but is are they the best hire? I, we don't know. We have yet to see that. So, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it. It, it is, um, you know, more, you know, I guess to use the word disheartening again. But we'll see where they go forward. I'm trying to stay positive about it because what's the fun in being a sports fan if you can't have some semblance of positivity in some regard? But it is uh, unfortunate that the Reds had to go through that, especially the last couple weeks of the season when they were really trying to make a push. So. I still have never seen Ted Lasso because I don't have Apple TV. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you my login. Coop, Coop, I'll give you my login. Watch nice. it. Yeah, because there's some other things I want to watch in there. Anyway, um, let's move on to the Major League roster and who does and doesn't come back. I think it's a – I'm going to give it a 99.8% chance that Nick Cassianos opts out. He had a great season, and – Instead of making, was it sixteen million? He's probably going to make north of twenty per year because he's still relatively young. What is he? Twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that. I I think it's almost without a doubt that he's going to opt out. I don't think the Reds are going to pick up Tucker Barnhart's option of seven and a half million, and not necessarily just because they're going to give Tyler Stevenson the majority of the at bats, but. That's $7.5 million that they're not going to spend. I honestly could see them moving Luis Castillo and attempting to move Suarez and Moustakis. I don't I don't think you're going to have many takers on the latter two because of cost and uh, poor productivity, although Gino had a great September. You look at his September, and it's like, what happened the rest of the year? But I think there's going to be other guys that are – going to be either non-tendered or traded just to save money. Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel, Senzel. yes. That comes up to the top of my head. I don't think Nick Senzel plays for this team next year. I don't think he plays for the Reds ever ever again. Like, no. Because a combination of they've royally screwed him and they want to save money and he's – He's still not does, to how, arbitration. How does give? How does give? Yeah. How does Nick Senzel leaving the Reds one way or the other save money though? Like he, he makes five hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Whoever you replace him with is going to make that. Future earnings, I guess, is what I'm thinking of. But um, that only matters if he performs. That's true. And if he performs, then you're fine to keep him for two or three more years. But there's also going to be guys getting significant pay bumps. Say you're bringing back Kyle Farmer, he's arbitration eligible. Oh, so he's going to make one point two million dollars next year instead of five sixty. Yeah, but when you, yeah, I, mean, that, I mean that that that's. that's but not. but oh, I know. But what about it's Jesse Winker? What's Jesse? We, we, we have to we have to have it. Right. What's Jesse Winker going to make next year? What's um, you know, Winker, Winker will make money next year. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Malley is he still pre arb or is he arbitration eligible? He might be one of those weird situations. He's going right. into his fifth full season. I know that. It just so what I'm saying is, 
then he then he's definitely arbitration. There yeah, are going to be arbitration eligible next year. Right. There are going to be guys who are going to be getting significant pay bumps, and there's going to be guys that are going to go just because of the quote unquote mandate to save money. So that means that if the Reds are going to be competitive in 2022, that the front office had to make trades or make shrewd signings in order to fill some of these holes. I mean, you're going to have to fill Nick Cassianos' production somehow. It's not going to be with Aristides Aquino. He had a great month back in 2019, and as Carlos said, showed some flashes. But he's also shown a propensity to miss the ball by three feet when he swings. Yeah, he, he still hit 190 this year, so right. let's not get carried away. We talked about Jose Barrero. What was the reason for bringing him up if he was just going to sit? And and not necessarily just because of Kyle Farmer, but there were still all those injuries in center field, and then they finally move him to center field. What? Play him a couple games the last couple weeks of the season? Yeah, that that's the one that really didn't make sense to me. Is if you're comfortable playing him in center field, and we and now that we know that they they weren't going to keep Delano De Shields around, why was Delano De Shields playing over Jose Barrero in center field? Exactly. It's. <laughs> I'm just afraid that the front office isn't really in charge here. That this is Bob Castellini running the show with Bobby. Walt Jockety's input. Carlos. It, it's such a great story that Delano got to play on the same team that his dad coaches on. Come on. Well, I, I, I do. I, I, I do think that was cool. Well, and again, like I, like I said earlier, Delano to shield, he performed well this year, but it just doesn't make sense that you're going to, you know, they DFA'd him last week, which somehow we never heard about. That was weird, right? Like yeah. you can't just outright a guy without DFAing him first. Like he cleared waivers today, which means he was DFA'd. How did that never get reported anywhere? There's a home run for Tampa, but yeah, uh, well, be, <laughs> I mean, I could I could give you a reason why, but we'll have to do that after. Um, Carlos, I'm having trouble getting my thoughts together tonight. But <laughs> what what is this team going to look like next year if they're in save money mode? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I definitely think that $7 million from Barnhart is going to be used for a good chunk of the raises uh, that people are going to be getting. Um, so I don't think he'll be back. I think Nick will be gone. It's going to be tough to replace that. Um, and I think that's probably what they're going to try to do the most is replace the right field and get somebody there. I don't think it'll be worth I mean, they'll probably pay half of what what Nick's going to get for it. Center field, I, I feel like they're probably going to run Barrero out there just just because I don't think that the shortstop position is that big of a, a concern whenever, you know, Kyle Farmer can, can hold his own there and, and did well. Um, I mean, slightly below average the whole year. It's, it's pretty good. Um, at the shortstop position. So I feel like they're going to go and try to get maybe some bullpen guys, um, make that a little bit deeper. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking they're going to try and save money there and, and start Barrera out in the center field, and hopefully they're not stuck with 
the position that they ended up being in that shortstop where at the end of the year we're trying out new center fielders again. Like, I just hope that they have a plan, man, whether it's tell Barrero to go out there and play as many positions he can as the winner or, hey, go win the job at shortstop or, or nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love for him to take the job at shortstop. That means they're going to go out and get a center fielder too. But I, the way that things have been going, I don't, I don't think that they're going to do that. Well, and it's almost like we can't trust what they say because last offseason, going into last offseason, they said number one priority is get a shortstop. Right, right. You had, I mean, Marcus Sin had a, just an absolutely amazing season. And then you had, you know, the other two of the big three, the um, D.D. Gregorius. And it's, yeah. al- it's almost like they're going to, they might come out and say, hey, this is what we want to do. And it's like, Okay, well, show me. Last off yeah, season, nobody's going to believe them anymore. Right. After last season, it's still too fresh on our minds. Like, yeah, nobody's going to care what they say. Yeah, they blew their cr- Nick Crawl, and I, I keep saying Nick Crawl. I'm not sure how much he has to do with any of this because I'm not sure if he's more than a puppet. You can't believe a word he says now. He's blown his credibility. Burmy, give me your thoughts on who's coming back and who's not. Well, I already gave my my starting my, yeah, starting my outfield starting lineup. <laughs> yeah, haha, Jonathan Indian right field. I mean, I really I wouldn't put it past them, but you know, put Moose at second base, Hardy fucking har. Um, I think on the well, the starting rotation barring trades will probably stay the same. Maybe Lodolo makes the team out of camp, and instead of the bullpen, they put him in there. I, I you know, I don't know. Or Hunter Green. Um, that's lot. Yeah, or Hunter Grams. That's lofty, but I'm just spitballing here. Um, I think the bats on the bench. I think if Max Schrock shows up to camp and you know tr- spring training and, and plays well, he'll be on the bench. Um, Aquino will probably be on the bench, barring so, you know something crazy too. The rest of it, you know, the backup catcher. Who knows who that's going to be? You know, assuming Tucker Barnhart's gone. Yeah, there's there's multiple different ways you can go in terms of the bats on the bench. For me, it'll be really interesting to see how they finagle the bullpen next year because I think you're for sure going to have, obviously, Lorenzen, Sims, and someone could chime in if I'm wrong. They have Givens next year, correct? No. No, no they don't, and Lorenzen's or a free Lorenzen. agent, too. Yeah, uh, Lorenzen's a free okay. agent. I believe they okay, still so have Sessa. I'm not sure about Wilson. He might be a free agent, too. Lorenzen, Lorenzen wants to go be a starter somewhere. So he's going to take that opportunity. Pretty sure. Yeah, Wilson is. He's got a player option, which I mean, he's going to take. Like, there's. I, I can't imagine he decided to test free agency, even though he did pitch well with Cincinnati. He really struggled with the Yankees, and I think the teams are going to look at that. And yeah, I think Art Warren should be in the bullpen too to start the year off, as long as he has a good a good spring, because I think he proved it this year as well. Um, it was only 21 innings and 26 games, but he was very strong. I think he had like a 375 ERA plus. Like that's definitely worth a, a strong look in spring training for sure. Um, I'm assuming Amir Garrett will be there. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> they just chalk it up. Yeah, maybe they just chalk it up to a bad year. But if Amir's not performing by May, early June, he'll probably be shown the door as well. So uh, the bullpen's the big, you know, mystery. It could go any number of ways. Um, yeah, I agree that Lorenzen, I guess I didn't realize he was a free agent. I thought he had one more year. Uh, but, yeah, he, obviously he'll go test somewhere and 
try to be a starting pitcher. Um, but yeah, I don't, it, it'll be tough. I, I think those are, you know, it's an 80% plus version of who will be on the team. Uh, the rest of it will just be fill-ins. That's my opinion. Well, Lorenzen's going to sign with Tampa Bay and be an opener and hit for himself. That wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> um, I, I could see since, since we all pretty much agree, the Reds probably aren't going to spend money. Um, a couple of guys who came up who earned themselves a look in spring training next year, Reaver San Martin and uh, TJ Friedel. Uh, San Martin, he just came in. He only had a, a few outings, but did the job. Not really high on a lot of people's prospect lists, but hey, he got out. I think that's worth giving him a look as a, a lefty out of the pen next year uh, in, in spring training. Uh, and then TJ Friedel, he he didn't play as much as I probably would have played him. You know, shout out to David Bell. But to me, he showed enough that maybe he's your fifth uh, outfielder next year. I don't Not know. if we want to have that depth that Doug was talking about at the end of <laughs> September. That's true. Uh, Doug... You're up here. Give us the uh, the lowdown on the roster. All right, here's here's where I'm at. November 6th, we'll know where the Reds are going because they've got – I mean, they don't have the option on Castellanos. He gets to make that decision himself. Do they pay Tucker Barnhart? Do they pay Wade Miley? If they don't, we know exactly what they're doing. That's true. Um, <laughs> now, I understand where a lot of people are coming from thinking that $7.5 million is too much for Tucker Barnhart. There is no left-handed hitting catcher on the market this year. None. I think there's a reasonable chance that they bring Tucker Barnhart back. I'd like uh, to him back. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, ha- I have no problem with bringing Tucker Barnhart yeah. back. Um, I would like to see Tyler Stevenson play more Absolutely. Um, than he did this year. I, I think that, you know, he's going to be 25 next year. He's, I think that even the Reds would tell you he's kind of the future uh, – Shortstop, listen to me. The future catcher for this organization, at least for a while, um, you know he's he's gone out the last year in I guess a year and a month. He was up for a little bit last year too, uh, and, and he's performed well. Um, but who like I, I, there's not another catcher in the organization that's a big league caliber catcher right now. So the Reds would have to go outside of the organization to find another backup catcher if they don't bring Tucker Barnhart back. Um, and they ideally would probably want that person to be a left-handed hitter. So you can kind of platoon a little bit. Uh, we know, I mean, we, we know David Bell loves his platoons, although at catcher, there's a little bit less of that because, um, you know, the bat is so significantly less valuable to the overall game, uh, for a catcher compared to any other position because of all the things they bring with the pitching staff, particularly the starting pitcher, because you know that, Hey, this guy's probably going to go at least half of the game, if not more, uh, every time they take the mound. But uh, still, you, you kind of want to have that option of, you know, left-handed catcher, right-handed catcher. Now, the wild card there could also be, you know, I, even though we didn't see it this year, Kyle Farmer. Um, if he is going to not be the everyday shortstop, or at least that's your plan going into the year, that he's not going to be your everyday shortstop, that kind of gives you a little bit of leeway with what you do at the catcher position because – you know, he, he does provide that emergency catcher situation, which, you know, if he's a shortstop, they're not going to have they're not going to even, you know, approach it that way because he's the guy that's going to be out there, you know, five, six times a week playing shortstop. Um, I, you know, I think the Reds really have to hope and pray 
that the designated hitter comes to the National League because they're not getting rid of Suarez. They're not getting rid of uh, Mike Moustakis. Well, that means there's a lot of money sitting there that they don't really have a position for one of those two guys at because they're not going to bench Jonathan India. I don't think that they're going to move him to another position. Uh, they're, they, they need the designated hitter to play Mike Moustakis or to play a Eugenio Suarez at third base or whatever. Um, that's that's not decided. They're not going to know that for quite a while either. The current collective bargaining agreement doesn't come up until December 1st. They're probably not going to have one ready on December 1st, ready to go. I'd be absolutely floored if that happened. I, I, I do think that they're going to get it done before spring training gets going and everything like that. I don't think there's going to be a lockout. I don't think there's going to be a strike, whatever way you want to look at it. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think that there's going to be some time during the offseason where technically there probably is a lockout or strike, but it's not going to impact the actual games, uh, even in spring training. we got a question coming up later about that, but go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think that we're going to know pretty early on which direction the Reds are going. I'm, I'm leaning that they're going to keep Barnhart just because of the catching situation and free agency. Uh, you know, I, I think that for the most part, the starters are going to be roughly the same. I, I think the shortstop situation is kind of, you know, in flux between, you know, Kyle Farmer, Jose Barrero, and that kind of comes into play with, with, with center field too. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they just, they, they went, I don't, I don't want to say cheap, um, but I guess it is cheap, you know, going the cheap way out if they bring back Barnhart and Miley, which leaves them with less money to go out and fill other holes with. If, you know, they did go, okay, Jose, win this job in spring training, and he goes out and he wins the shortstop job. If they were to just go out and put TJ Friedel out in center field, if they decide that, you know, if they move on from Nixon Zell, for example. Um, now, the blend is an interesting situation. You know, I... We were just talking about, you know, what are they going to do with Amir Garrett? Uh, you know, I I think that right now you keep Amir Garrett around for spring training because it doesn't cost you anything. But I think that with the season he had, he kind of has to actually go out and win the job. Like if he if he does not perform well in spring training, can you really bring him back and and hope that for some reason he figures it out in April? I, I don't think you do that. Um, so, and, yeah. you can, and you can you probably say that for okay. a lot of guys in the bullpen oh, yeah. too, right? Um, but I mean, again, specifically it, him, I, I, I'm 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 with you on that one. Like, yeah, um, I probably would have liked to see, you know, maybe move a little bit earlier, but it is what it is. And now it would just be completely dumb to get rid of him in the off season. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's here now, it, it doesn't make sense to move on without yeah. seeing what happens, unless. Again, something unforeseen happens, and all of a sudden, you know, the Reds need 17 spots on the 40-man roster. Then sure, but I I don't think we're going to see that much movement, just given that the fact that none of us actually expect them to go out and spend any kind of money. We need Javi Baez to go apologize until he can get his soul back. <laughs> <laughs> I the only way I see Garrett being moved other other than something unforeseen would be including him as a way to cut money in a deal with, say, Luis Castillo, something like that, saying, okay, you want Castillo, you're taking on Amir Garrett's salary. They don't They don't owe Amir Garrett any salary. They could just DFA him, and they don't owe him anything. I thought he so had another year of arbitration. You only get arbitration if you got a contract. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, you could non-tender him. 
Uh, anyway. Um, I, mean, I guess you can't, can't non-tender him in spring training. You'd have to DFA him. Yeah. But, I mean, you go him next to nothing. Well, what... Because, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, how much money are you going to get coming off a year where you had an ERA over six? I mean, you're still going to get a raise, though. I mean, in what, arbitration. What, what, yeah, but what's he making now? Like, one one point something million dollars? I can tell you. Hang on a second. I can tell you, too. I, I can scroll. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, yeah. so so he's going to make... He'll make, what, $1.6 million next year? I mean, well, I tell you what, if they do non-tender him, then you really, you really know what their direction is and it's absolutely save money. Yeah. I mean, and again, if, if they, if they non-tender him, I, I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, I don't, again, it's not my money. I don't think that I would, because I think just you, you, for, for the amount of money I believe that he'll get, I think it's worth the risk. Um, the reward would be enough to, to keep him around and see what happens February and March. But so he made yeah. what 1.5 million last year. I keep forgetting about the whole 2020, not counting his service time. And I think that's, what's been throwing me off with uh, thinking guys have like a year or two left of arbitration when, when they don't, or, you know, vice versa. Um, why don't we move on to some listener questions since that depressed the hell out of me. <laughs> First one actually comes from Carlos. What? Yeah, you asked without using the hashtag, which was "Is the lion the witch and Bob Castellini's a bitch?" Who? <laughs> Carlos asked, with Kyle Farmer not playing shortstop for the next 179 days, what will Red's Twitter be mad at? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Farmer was the most polarizing topic this year for oh, Red's fans. Oh my god. And what look, a question. I'm so glad that I won off the debate. <laughs> and the thing the thing is, is Douglas. at the <laughs> at the beginning of the year I thought if you play Kyle Farmer at shortstop, you're absolutely insane. And he was not great, but he was serviceable. I mean, if you're not gonna go out and sign a shortstop, you can plug him in there. Because yeah, his he he had one point one war this year. Okay, a lot of that comes defensively, but you can you can have a guy like Kyle Farmer be your shortstop if you have the pieces elsewhere in your lineup. And for a lot of the year, they did with Winker and Castellanos and the resurgent Votto um, and, you know, Stevenson and Barnhart playing relatively well. The problem is going to be if they get rid of or, you know, if Castellanos opts out, which and doesn't come back, which I think is what's going to happen, and get rid of some other guys like Barnhart or uh, move some some other players. Then you're going to have to upgrade the offense somewhere if you're going to leave Farmer short. And like I said, he, he proved me wrong because I thought he was just going to be an absolute bomb at shortstop, and he wasn't. Carlos, your thoughts? Wait, you're going to let him um, answer his own question? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, are you new to this show, Don? <laughs> Almost. This is a gong show. This is a gong show, boys. Just I for mean, that, you're going left. I'm pretty sure y'all know my, my stance on it. Like, I, Kyle Farmer was fine uh, there. I thought he was a, you know, the definitely the best option with a left-handed starter on the mound. Um, and, you know, he had... That really good July, he had a really good September. 
um, that picked up for the other months, but that's what I mean. That's what we judge everybody else on. We don't pick apart their months that they didn't do well. We don't ever talk about Joey's Aprils very often, and it's probably been eighty percent of his career where he has not had a good April. And, you know, we just talk about his final numbers, and Kyle Farmer's final numbers were pretty damn good. You know, he's probably going to be top three in Gold Glove this year. Um, slightly below average hitter. He was out there every day. He was banged up. He was still playing. You know, he took a lot of stress off of the, the rest of the team, so that way you could pencil him in there. Um, as far as Barreau not getting that playing time over him, I'm going to just, you know, put my trust into the coaching staff and everybody else that's involved in making that decision. Um Basically saying that he's not ready yet. He's not. He's he's not ready to play multiple times a week. Um, that's the position, and you know you can question why he was even called up to begin with. I mean, at the time that he was called up, I guess they were still in a race, and they thought he'd be one of their next best options off the bench. And he already had, you know, what was it, four months worth of the season of ABs, which is plenty in a year. I don't know. I don't. I don't really see the issue with with Farmer there, and again, circling back to, I think that's where they're going to end up, um, you know, there at the beginning of next year, I think Barrero's going to be in the outfield, because I think they're going to go cheap it. Um, I'd love for Barrero to run the shortstop position, you know, because that means that that he's going to be better than what Kyle Farmer was, and if you can be better than what Kyle Farmer was, you're gonna that's going to be a pretty good rookie season. Yeah, he'll still be rookie eligible, even though it'll be technically third season since 2020 yeah. didn't count. <laughs> 2020 um, counted. It counted. <laughs> I don't know why you keep saying that. It it happened. It's like the when the winner of the All Star game um, got the home field advantage <laughs> in the in the World Series. This time it counts. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doug, won't you jump in on the Kyle Farmer debate here? I can't believe that there's a debate. This feels like the Barry Larkin, Kurt Stillwell thing all over again, where it's painfully obvious which is the better option, and the Reds are, seem to be confused by it. Like, Jose Barrero is the best shortstop prospect this organization has had in 30 years. And with all due respect to Kyle Farmer, who, you know, as Carlos said, he, he was okay this season. He had two, you know, he had one Barry Bonds-esque month in a, in a, in a quality September slash three days in October. He was fine in those two months. Overall, he was a below-average player. He was pretty close to average, but it was below average. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Kyle Farmer's a big leaguer. I think he deserves to be a big leaguer. He's just a utility guy. He's a good utility guy, but he's a utility guy. Like, why are we having this conversation? I don't understand. Because, because Jose Barrero hasn't done anything ever. And Nobody has, has until they're given done. the chance, though. He's had over how many ABs, Doug? Uh, he's had like 105 I can look it up. Seasons. Hold on. Okay, he hasn't taken the opportunity that he's been given. So yes, the opportunity, he hasn't played the every opportunity day. he's been given is to be a bench player, though. How did, how did Max Schrock do? How did how did Friedel do? Friedel they earned their playing time. Friedel, they got their playing time. I'm when trusting. Friedel, when Friedel got called up, he played more consistently than Jose Barrero did. Maybe because they saw that he was having better ABs. No, because there was a spot that was completely open for him. That's why. Um, well, there, there wasn't a spot completely open for Jose Barrero. 
I agree that there wasn't. I'm saying moving forward, there absolutely should be. And if this organization thinks that Kyle Farmer is the better option, they're out of their minds. They're but completely out of their minds. I don't. I do not see how that you can factually say that because he hasn't done anything at the big league level. You've got Barry Larkin in the booth saying how much defensive work that he needs, how much he needs to grow. You don't think that has a factor whether he's going to play every day or not? Well, I'll, I'll say this much. Every scout I've talked to about Jose Barrera's defense, they say he's a potential gold glover. Uh, I think I'll just roll the dice with that guy who he went out and hit 20 home runs in 85 games in double A AA and triple A this year over Kyle Farmer. Barrera has 124 career plate appearances. Yeah, how many at bats is that though, Coop? 117 because he has because he has he's like six walks. He's got four walks and he's been hit by how many pitches? Three. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not that's not ideal, but that's also what Kyle I, Farmer. Honestly, too, I so. see, honestly before Burmy jumps in, I see both sides of this because Jose Barrero, fair or fair, when he was called up in 2020 and absolutely bombed at the plate, that soured him in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, because they're idiots. And honestly, it's like it's like it's like, it's like holding it against the guy that got called up from the freshman baseball team because you know. They, they had an emergency starter go down, and people were like oh, nobody nobody hit well in 2020. Well, and I'm not nobody, dis- and I'm not the disagreeing. Whole hit like shit in 2020, and I don't disagree. But the somebody in the Reds front office soured on him. Otherwise, who is. who is it? Tell me. Uh, I'm gonna go with it's David Bell. I well, mean, I don't I don't actually know if this is it or not, but look at how he used. Rookies all along outside of Jonathan India, who he really didn't have a choice but to use. He did. He does not seem to have any trust or faith whatsoever in any young player. Well, or for MVP, or World <laughs> Series winner, or fifty run home run winner. He benches everybody. He does not care, and that is a pretty good quality to have in a coach. He doesn't care. Well, he, he, I, he doesn't I, care I, if you're, I, if you're not playing I, 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 well. I, would like to, I just want you to expand on that because I, I want to be able to understand exactly what you're saying with that. Well, you say he doesn't trust he doesn't trust rookies because he's not playing them because they don't do well right away. But he benched Joey, he benched Gino, he benched Moose, like all all these guys he's willing to bench. I don't. I'm not buying that. Just because they're a rookie, he's afraid to play rookies and give them a chance. Hey, you he's got he's had gonna, 574 plate appearances and hit 198 this year. Say that again. I'm sorry. Suarez had 574 plate appearances and hit 198 this year. Right, but if there wouldn't have been those two injuries with Sinzel and Moose, he wouldn't have. He would have gotten benched for sure. And yeah, he had he had to play there. And he didn't didn't have to play him there. He could have played Max Strauss. After after April, take a little deeper look into the Suarez's numbers. They're not quite as bad as you think. Oh, Suarez had a great September. Like, and I'm not just blowing smoke up his ass. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, May through September were not very awful. I love I mean, Gino. He, he so had a two fifty on base percentage <laughs> in May, so it was awful. He had a two ninety one on base percentage in June, it was awful. He had a so, two fifty seven on base percentage in July, which is awful. He had a two forty two on base percentage in August, which is awful. He was terrible <laughs> all year, Carlos. What are you talking about? I mean, until September. Like he okay. didn't have one. We didn't have one month worth an OPS over 691, and every month except for May was under 650. He was terrible all year. 
I'll send you some numbers September. later. Except for September. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. You're you're not going <laughs> to convince me that a guy that hit 130, 186, 200, 176, and 140 in the first five months of the season somehow had good numbers in there. Like the, the, I didn't no. say good. I just said they weren't as bad as you think they are. They 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 are as bad as I think they are. I'm looking at them. He was really bad for five months. Okay. They are who we thought they were. We let hey, them off the hook. Hey, Burmy, jump in here. <laughs> no, I I actually love this. Everybody gives a shit on this podcast for just like being at a grief fest. This is fucking great. I love this, by the way. I just want to throw it out there. Um, Red's Twitter will find something to complain about. They always do. I believe in you guys at Red's Twitter. You guys will find something to complain about. Front office moves. David Bell. Nick Kroll. Nicolini's. They'll find plenty to complain about in the offseason. Um, I'm going to complain, have... complain about Coop. Do it. Let's hey, complain about off. Coop together. It's a complain mu- about we're having, a, we're having a coup d'etat on Coop's podcast against Coop. You can complain about me. I complain about myself. Um, no, no. I, well, no, I, I honestly, they'll find, they'll find plenty to complain about. You'll have people complaining about Joey Votto's contract, blah, 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 blah. You'll have all of that. It'll be, Red's Twitter will be ripe with bullshit, and it'll be magnanimous always. I think the next big Red's Twitter controversy will be when Cassiano's opts out. That's when everybody will get oh, up in arms. What's the controversy that's going to be there? Everybody's going to be mad about it, right? They're going like, to Nobody's going to be like, this is good. Well, they're going to be mad that the Reds didn't make an effort to rip up his contract and sign him to an extension, which, I mean, they weren't going to do that because they're cheap. Yeah, I think the majority of us are kind of like, we already know what's going to happen. Then, you know, the other guys that are going to throw be up in arms about it are going to forget about it in a week because they don't really follow that closely. Right. But yeah. All right. RIP RIP to the park ballers. <laughs> RIP. Ryan Castellanos will be in a new city. RIP. I'm not I'm not making fun of them either. I thought I thought the Wade Miley fan club and the park ballers, all that shit was awesome this year. I thought it was fun to watch like young baseball fans come together and go to games as much as they did. Like I I honestly I'm not even being facetious announced. Like I thought it was great. I, I I'm I'm legitimately saying like that's gonna suck for them. Like that young fan base, once that presence is gone, oh, they'll find something else to hook on yeah, to. Yeah, sure. Pe- no, yeah. I mean, of, of course, people want to be miserable. The Barrero boys. <laughs> Ooh. Um, only, if, only if they get that soul glow, though. Just get you. I can't. Oh, I that can't get so that. So nice. So they started selling those. Well, you we, should sell those Horner coop. <laughs> we also, yeah, also the, mentioned what are they going to? I'm the guy. What are they going to do? Shogo. What are they going to do with Shogo? It's sunk cost at this point. Um, I think they might. Yeah, but yeah, but do, but do they keep him or do they just let him go, knowing think... that hey, we we tried and it didn't work. I think they I'm let him go. They're, they're able to work out a deal with, you know, going back overseas yeah. and selling them, selling the contract back. Or I don't I don't really know that well that much about how you can do that, but maybe I'm... they can help buy him out and he'll take some less money. I mean, he can't be happy because. He gets no playing, playing time. Trees yeah. attack his wife, and that's no that dude. <laughs> Come on, yikes, Coop! Jesus. No, I'm glad she's okay. In all seriousness, that was a horrible freak accident. But I could, I could easily see him going back to Japan next year, like Carlos saying, work out either a buyout or they just flat out release him to go sign with a team in Japan or, or even Korea or something. 
I just I do not think he's on this team next year. And I lost everybody with my horrible joke. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I agree with the group. I don't think show goes on this roster next year either. Let's move on to the next question before I alienate anybody else. Uh, Kyle Kapler asks, hashtag the lion, the witch. Bob Castellini is a bitch. How many tens of hundreds of dollars will it cost to bring Brad B- Brock back, and is it too much for Bob? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just skip that one. Uh, next question. Oh, fuck. 69 cents on the dollar right there for, for Brad Brock. Next question comes from our friend Jeremy at uh, ADHD Theater. He asks, without the hashtag, chili, beans or no beans? Birmingham, let's start with you. You like your beans or no beans in your chili? I like beans in my chili. I like a, a hearty cowboy style chili. You got to get the beans in there, uh, especially if you're going to do like, you know, a lot of these days are, are vegan or vegetarian. If you're not going to have meat in the chili, which I, I think is a cardinal sin of, of chili, you have to have meat in it. But if you choose not to, um, you have to have beans in there. Um, and I think beans are a good supplement in chili with or without any kind of uh, animal protein. So I am pro beans. For me, it depends on the chili. Like Cincinnati style chili skyline, I don't like beans in that because it's basically just like a sauce almost. But like a like a real, I don't want to say real chili and piss people off, but like a like a hard chili. Yeah, I want beans in there. Does that make sense? No, because sure. be- beans belong in all chili. <laughs> Texas chili, Cincinnati chili. Put the beans Not in the there, Texas man. Baby. Spicy chili, baby. As spicy as it gets. Spicy chili. Good. You can't beat like a good spicy chili. <laughs> you can't beat a good spicy, spicy chili. Spicy chili with a good dollop of sour cream on there and some cornbread there you on go. the side. Oh, fuck, yeah. Fuck you, me up. You dip the cornbread in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Che- cheese uh, on top, slightly melted because it's so. Oh, yeah, dude. So, Carlos, are you pro beans or is it depend on the chili? No beans. No beans at all? Okay. No, I can understand that. No. <laughs> um, Bill at OBC2 asks his normal 15 Um, He asks, bigger bust, Nick Senzel or John Ross? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go with John Ross. Yep, that's the answer. And he asked that because... That's a football player? Yeah, he was a receiver for the Bengals' first-round pick. <laughs> like, did I miss a prospect he cut, through or he, something? He caught, a t- <laughs> he caught a touchdown pass last week for the Giants, like 52-yarder. Yeah. And Nick Senzel had a home run last year, so... He, he, asked me, <laughs> he asked me that question because I loved the John Ross pick when it happened, and he was an absolute bust. What's the worst food item at GABP? Hmm. I don't know. I Skyrosa. Next question. Skyline. No, Skyline. Skyrosa is, good. is such a t- Skyline's great. Skyline's great. And LaRosa's, I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I don't live there, so I don't have an affinity for LaRosa's. I think LaRosa sucks. You're dead to me. That's fine. <laughs> I like I think it's. I think it's it's super below average pizza. So yeah, fl- flame me, guys. I mean, th- th- this is on me, but yeah, the Skyrosa. No, because it has La Rosa's on it, and you're just no need to ruin a great Coney by putting it on a piece of La Rosa's pizza. I like yeah, I mean, that, that. That's weird to me. In the yeah. sense, like, why would you do that? Like, they're both. I love both of them on their own. Although I'll never eat Skyline again, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, <laughs> American to, gluttony, Doug. American we'll, gluttony. We'll have to Fair hear enough. that later. Um, no, I I like La Rosa's, but I think there's definitely much better pizza out there. Um, I put La Rosa's on the same plane as like. Your your takeout pizza places like Pizza and Papa John's and Donato's. How dare you? 
But no, you just you just named the three worst. No, the, like take out pizza places. No, the, the worst is um, snappy tomato pizza. Yeah, that that, that does suck. I, it, I don't even I don't even know what that is. It's a local chain. It, it's bad pizza. It's, 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 is it not even good? Is it not even good when you're hammered? I don't no. know. I've never been hammered, so no. Yeah, that, that's fair. Great. Um, oh, fair, no. fair enough, fair enough. No, the best pizza, the best cheap ass pizza when you were hammered is when I was in college at Kentucky. Mad Mushroom. You could get a large pizza for like four dollars. <laughs> it, it that was, sounds like the worst thing in the history of the world. No. Like I wouldn't dog, trust it. I feel like I dog, couldn't trust it. No, Doug, listen, listen to the three of us. When we tell you that after thirty-seven natural lights and an umpteenth amount of shots, <laughs> it is it is absolutely fantastic. Because no matter what you do. Whether you eat that pizza or not, you're painting the toilet bowl the next morning anyways. You might as well enjoy something greasy before you go to bed. Now, <laughs> I was a beast man in college. You know, Milwaukee's best. But. <laughs> oh, my God. Who hurt you? Beast light. Beast light. Not full on. Full octane. Oh, my God. Jesus. Well, Coop. at Kentucky, you were either a beast light or a natty light person. There was no in yeah. between. Bud Light oh, was like it. Bud Light was like a delicacy back then. No, it, Look, here's it, what I'm it, noticing. It, it wasn't. It wasn't happening so high too. Beers in there, like what's wrong? <laughs> why, why can't you just go with I regular thought, beer? What's the difference here? Because you're poor. You drink whiskey if you were from Kentucky. Oh, I love me some bourbon. Oh yeah. Um, I used to get <laughs> early times, ancient age. Those were the cheapest bourbons you could get. Oh my God, Coop, <laughs> Jesus. Or you know, Jim oh. Bean is 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 a pretty cheap bourbon too. But I had I, I can tell you, <laughs> I had a bad night on Jim Bean once in college, and whew, that night I can't I can't tell that story on here. I'll tell you all. Later. Um, no more no more Beam for you. Well, I mean, I've moved on to you know the finer bourbons. Huh. Like my favorite is Eagle Rare. Uh, I love Eagle Rare. But um, anyway, <laughs> why don't we move on? Uh, Carlos, when you were all were coming up uh, in the minors and when you were in college, were you a Natty Light guy? Were you a Beast guy? Were you a uh, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors kind of guy? Um, they have Lone Star Light down here, which is kind of like a natural light, a Keystone Light. No. So it was a Lone Star Light. And still to this day, that's what I prefer. Nice. But first beer. Most light beer I'll drink. First beer I ever had when was, we go to the... was Burger Beer. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Burger was a local company uh, that went out of business. Then there was Wiedemann, which was also a local beer company. Oh, yeah. We're going to the Silver Fox tonight, Carlos. I'll see you there. <laughs> we're, we're almost at an hour and a half, so we need to hurry up here with a couple more of these questions. Um, Bill, some of your other ones are kind of dumb, but uh, Brent Spence have tolls. No, I hate tolls. Um, he also asked if I had a septic tank, and no, I don't. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, SoCal Reds, Red Legs asked without the hashtag, what do the hell do the Reds do from here? Who do we sign? Do we trade for a starter? And what is the best plan to, and do the Reds execute it? Obviously, they're not going to because they don't have a plan. Trading for a starter, I just don't see them doing that because, you know, that, that costs money. Um, see us trading a starter more before we trade for one. Right. I could, like I said, I could see Castillo being traded. They were great, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But they're not, like Doug was saying before, the Rays win trades, and the Reds don't. Um, let's wrap it up with this question. This is from uh, Joshua. He asked, hashtag the lion, the witch, Bob Castellini is a bitch. Are you ready for the lockout strike? Do you think opening day will happen on March 31st? He also asked, will Tucker still be a red? But we answered that. Doug, I know you said that you think the season's going to start on time. I think it depends on how much the owners want to cut costs. And will the universal DH be a factor? Carlos, you played the game. You were a member of the union. What, uh, what are your th- thoughts on a potential work stoppage? Uh, I think there's a very small chance of one uh, just because you know the stuff that everybody had to go through last year and, and pay cuts. Uh, don't want to miss any more games, lose any more money. Um, as a player, um, it wouldn't look good at all on the game, you know, especially what's going on right now in the world. For these guys to to have a lockout, I think both owners and players know that. So you know, I think the DH is going to come to the National League, probably no brainer. Um, you know, I've heard little rumblings of maybe uh, taking away um, either a year of arbitration or of you know the service time. That being you know an option on it, it can be discussed. But yeah, I'd probably give it like a less than a ten percent chance of a lockout. I I agree about the the rookie service time manipulation. I think that's something that's got to go. And yeah. I think the owners are wise enough to know how angry that makes the players when they manipulate service time. Um, the the you know the best example was Chris Bryant a few years ago with the Cubs. He was obviously ready when spring training was over to start every day for the Cubs, and they still kept him down for a couple of weeks, all because of service time. And the Reds kind of played that a little bit with Nick Senzel, but they screwed him in many ways, so it's hard to count one. But if they can work those issues out, I agree that if if the financials work and they agree to a universal DH, the likelihood of a strike or a lockout is a lot less because that is, to me, the biggest issue is is the financials. Um, uh, Burmy, they're going to be a lockout, and if so, will it affect the season? No, I agree with everything you guys said. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have Mardi Gras in Cincinnati on March 1st. Get ready. Prep those livers. I would love to be able to go to another opening day because when we went a couple years ago, it was one of the best baseball experiences of my life. That was actually the day we met. I'm coming this year. Yep. Carlos, you're coming. I'll be there next year. Doug, you're coming. Carlos, Carlos, do you want to get Airbnbs next year so we can have a crazy joint party? I don't know if he knows you that well. Uh, <laughs> that's why. That's that's why, that's why I said next. I said next to each other. Also, Doug is willing to go room with Phil on in spring training for ten days. I think staying next to somebody that you know and getting shit faced for forty eight hours is the least of the worries. It was like four days, and I didn't get murdered. Thank you very much. Look, Doug oh, Phil that, spooned every night. They Ador- adorable. <laughs> it was adorable. That's that's untrue. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get you didn't get Callie her cactus. Shout out to Callie. Yep. Shout, shout out to the sponsor of the podcast. Yeah. Shout I out mean, to the I, sports guy. I eventually got her like four, so it's fine. 
you didn't get her the the what what's the big one that I, did, I didn't get the Saguaro cactus. Yeah, the Saguaro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Illegal, I'm sorry. You didn't commit a felony, Doug. What the hell's wrong with you? Not this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Doug. Uh, I know you already spoke on it, but do you have anything else to add about a uh, potential lockout or strike? No. Okay. <laughs> that was simple. Um. So that's gonna that's gonna wrap up this edition of the podcast. We'll go around the room here, have everybody give their final thoughts. And Burmy, let's start with you. Give us your final thoughts. Yeah, the season didn't go the way we'd hoped for, um, but I think the kind of the beauty of baseball is that eternal optimism. Um, that's the way I choose to approach it. Uh, I try not to be a curmudgeon. Um, I totally understand why people are salty, um, especially towards this franchise. I try to view it in more of a positive light that I get to watch baseball and I enjoy it. Sort of the first, you know, sports I ever really loved. So I am going to be just, you know, waiting for these 179 days uh, until the next season starts. We'll see what they run out there on opening day. But other than that, go Reds. Nice, nice. Doug, give us your final thoughts. I'm not too optimistic about the uh, the situation moving forward with the organization. But hey, I've been wrong before, so hopefully I'm wrong again this time. All righty. Uh, Carlos, your final thoughts. Looking forward to the offseason, see how it plays out. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason for me to be upset with the way that things are going. They are what they are. It's already been done. Not me bitching about it, really ain't going to about it. So <laughs> um, we'll just see where it goes, and hopefully you know, we can get some parts back by spring and create a, you know, a team that's – a little bit better than this one. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. That's all we needed to be, a little bit better. <laughs> uh, for my final thoughts, I want to give a shout-out to the 5-0 and Kentucky Wildcats, who Ooh. beat Florida, 10th-ranked Florida, at home last week, and they've got LSU and Georgia coming back-to-back, which is... <laughs> Basketball started already? <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck, Coop. Yeah, I know. That's, that good one's luck. Be, Georgia's going to be rough. I'm, I, think they should, I think they should be number one. I really do. Georgia, yeah. No Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, no spit, no spit, no lube, sandpaper finish. <laughs> now, LSU, a different story. I think I think they have a chance yeah. against LSU. Now, Georgia, yeah. I've, I, I was watching that. L- Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you. I was, I was watching that LSU-Auburn game last week. And that LSU quarterback, man, he runs around like a chicken with his head cut off and just throws the ball off. Like, yeah, just get pressure on him. And I think that's a win. But Georgia, oof. Georgia's rough. That's that's gonna be a rough one. Their defense is just ungodly. Um, but hey, uh, LSU's quarterback is Brad Johnson's son, the uh, former NFL quarterback. So really? that's, I, yeah. Sidebar: I found out this weekend. I was watching that UC Notre Dame game. Shout out to UC for being five and zero or four and zero, but you know, top five. Beat um, Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's always great when Notre Dame loses, America wins. Exactly. But um, I didn't realize that Bobby Hoying's son, who went to my high school, is. Uh, one of the quarterbacks on that UC team. Really? I didn't realize it. I, I did not realize he had gone there. Yeah, Jacob Hoying. Huh. Um, he's actually my old roommate's cousin. <clears throat> Fun fact: he he was related to uh, the Hoying family. So hmm. I didn't re- I did not realize that. I did not realize that. Um, oh, do we just get a street had, steal of home? There. Was that a street steal of home? Spoiler alert! Sorry, son of a bitch. I know, right? Like he's still standing there on my TV. That was a straight I think, home. I think I'm like two whole pitches. <laughs> Randy I do Rizzo have today. one more question for Doug. Go ahead. 
Doug? Straight steal from Wild, Wilder or Fury, and why? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on Fury. I mean, he just he, he dominated that last fight. I don't. I I I love Deontay Wilder, but I mean, I think that he in that in that specific matchup, he literally needs to land the, just the the complete perfect punch to win that fight. Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree with you. I don't think he learned how to box in the last year and a half or whatever it's been. Yeah. So he's he's got that puncher's chance, and I think that's what it's going to take, too. I mean, he, he almost landed in the first fight, but I that know, second maybe... fight, he, just, he was just completely outclassed. Yeah. Yep. They're both large individuals. <laughs> 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 no, that uh, great. Why, why that is has those chicken legs. Man, I don't understand. He, I, I mean, God. a plus analysis there, Coop. Thank you. Uh, no, I. Uh, you're talking about the chin legs. I think it's just because he's just he just works upper body. Um, well, and we, we're not going to turn it into a boxing podcast, but why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, why not at this point? It's the off season. Why not? To me, we know De- about, it's as much about boxing as we do about baseball. That's true. <laughs> Deontay Wilder, to me, should be better, but he's not. Okay, it's, now we are going to turn into a boxing podcast. Why? Why do you feel that? I just think he has. I just think he's quicker. Um, does he have? Does he have the reach advantage, or is it Fury that has the reach advantage? Pretty sure it's Fury. I don't know. I just, to me, when I look at him, and of course I'm a novice. I watch Friday night fights every now and then and think I know anything, but um, to me, Wilder should be better. He just isn't. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why it, you feel that way either. Like, that's how it, it felt about myself. Dude. Is it coaching? <laughs> is it that he just doesn't prepare right? Is he not, you know, like you said, his chicken legs, does he not does he not squat? Does he not do leg presses? Because right. you get more power if you have powerful legs. To me, it just—I don't know. Doug, here's the thing: Deontay Wilder got started boxing way later than almost anybody who turns into a professional boxer did. So, I mean, and really, I mean, I think he's the second best heavyweight in the world right now. I mean, maybe maybe Usyk is is ahead of him right now. I don't I don't know. Uh, that's the guy that just beat uh, Anthony Joshua what two weeks ago last weekend. Anthony like that. Charman Joshua. <laughs> yeah, that guy has yeah, but. I mean, I, I don't well, know. I think that maybe you just expect too much for what it is. Well, and the heavyweights always get the notoriety, but the best boxing, I think, is in the lower classes. Well, yeah, sure. it, it, it has to be because in, when you're a heavyweight, I mean, one punch can literally end a fight. That, that usually doesn't happen in many other weight classes. Right. I mean, even a guy like Canelo, when he was fighting, you know, in you know, 157, 151, whatever, like he had real like game changing power, but it would still usually be stun and then go for it. Heavyweights don't they don't play they don't have to play that game usually. Well and and it's it's the same with in UFC where it seems like the heavyweights after after a round are just leaning on each other a lot. Like you said, looking for the knockout punch instead of and they're they're tired. And I'm not gonna criticize them because I woke up the stairs and I'm out of breath. But I don't know. I think you can be a heavyweight and be in shape. It's just a lot of guys use not to. Does that make sense? I don't know, man. That's a that's a lot of weight to carry. 
and a lot yeah. of activity. <laughs> that's that's why they don't get to ten rounds until they're like elite. Yeah, I mean it's unfair to compare people to like Mike Tyson, but yeah, I mean, realistically, Mike Tyson was he was a very small heavyweight. Yeah, like, he was five eleven, two twenty. I mean, Deontay Wilder outweighed six four. Well, yeah, Deontay was a lot taller, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about like you know Lewis. Um, you know, he was six four, two fifty. Um, I mean, that that's generally what your heavyweight is these days. Guy who's walking in at two fifty, two hundred and fifty pounds or more. And I mean, it's not like really out of shape. I mean, you know, Andy Ruiz was out of shape, but uh, he he's he's not the rule generally speaking. I mean, they're not butterbeans. But can <laughs> can they both beat Logan Paul? Oh God! With one hand. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see I get knocked the fuck out so bad, and he. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't like that guy. And I don't know if it's because of some of his YouTube stunts or whatever. But well, I can, I can tell you, Coop, that he when he was a freshman at OU, I was a senior, and he showed up to one of our fraternities, uh, like we had like an annex house, and he showed up to one of the parties, and we asked everybody for money before they came in, and he was like, "I don't drink," and I'm like, "Okay, well you're still coming into the party, so you you still have to pay." He thought he was too good for it, and some one of his like you know little cronies was like, "Hey, do you know who he is?" And I'm like, "No, like he's Vine famous." And I went, "I don't fucking care who he is." So <laughs> and go ahead, Wrigley, be yeah. gone. Yeah, I, I was I was like, nobody cares who you are. He goes in there, doesn't drink, and is just hitting on all the girls. And eventually, we had to have people take him out because it's like, dude, if you're not drinking, you're hitting on girls that are drinking. It just looks really creepy. It's a bad look. Like we're like, stop doing it. You're you're creeping everybody out. So sidebar well, co- college drinking, not like social yeah. you're at, you know, you're at a party and someone's having a glass of champagne. And you're talking to that. That's not what I mean. Like so- this, this is college, college nonsense. And he's just in there like hitting on girl, like slapping the bag for 30 seconds. And you're like, buddy, this is fucking weird. Stop doing it. Sidebar. One of the best fights I ever saw in college was a girl refused to pay the like $3 for the cup at the kegger. And uh, the girl who owned the house just absolutely freaking whooped her ass. <laughs> that was a just just Kentucky things. I mean, if you're going somewhere and you don't know the people, and they say it's three dollars a cup, you pay your three dollars a cup. Yeah, that's fair. They paid for it. Well, it was always money. it was usually like three dollars for girls and five dollars for guys. Whatever. Yeah, naturally. How whatever the house says, you pay. Oh, it. he showed he showed up with seven guys and no girls. By the way, too. Oh, there like, you go. What the, yeah. what the fuck are you doing, bud? Well, we're almost to two hours, so I think we should wrap <laughs> this one. Um, so for Carlos and Doug and Burmy, this is Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, where the river winds. Across the basin and the deep sun line.